What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Christmas tree, oh 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 Christmas tree. Merry Christmas! What is this? Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders. It is I, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy, and I am ready to fly with you to Neverland once again this week. This is going to be slightly unusual, I think, this week. We're going to do something a little bit uh, odd. That is actually Disney Connected, and I'm going to tell you about how it's Disney Connected later, and we're going to have some fun, I think, talking about this and listening to some great audio. Uh, We have some great audio also from Eric as he is in Disneyland, and he sent me, of course, some great audio. I have enough audio for the next three weeks. So, let's get started. We've got all kinds of fun to have, and we might as well get to it with at least one good piece of news that I enjoyed this week. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. We got it, Nikki, thank you. Right. Hi everyone, you're in for a real treat. Tonight we have Magic Kingdom all to ourselves for Disney After Hours. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's, oh, that's so good. good. Yeah. We're like, wow, Celebrity. this is, yeah, yeah this is really cool. Like a VIP pass right here. During Disney After Hours, get ready for additional hours to enjoy all of the attractions you love, ice cream included in the price of your event ticket, and Magic Kingdom like you've never seen it before. We're going to do everything. Well, we got here and it was like a five-minute wait. We got to walk through the rooms and we got to notice things that we've never noticed before in them. It was just really awesome. We're going to seriously do some rides, walk around, and just enjoy it, pictures, and just everything. Over 25 attractions are open late with little to no wait times. So for those of you who dream about being able to simply walk on to your favorites, Disney After Hours is for you. Something you don't get to do every day. We rode 15, 20 rides tonight already in two hours, and we still have an hour left. Just have to walk in the line. There yeah. really is no line, so Fun. it's just the time it takes to go through the queue. We love it here. We come here a lot, We like to, but we like to try and find unique things to do every time. Yeah. So this is something totally different. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to like repeat this experience. It's been an amazing night, and as we say goodbye, we leave you with this view from Disney After Hours. Okay, in case you aren't familiar, Disney After Hours events, they're limited to a small number of guests, 
They allow attendees to maximize their time in the park. And with, there's literally not much wait time. There's about 25 attraction experiences. Uh, with something like Seven Dwarves Mine Train, the Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid, uh, Space Mountain, and stuff like that. You know, some good stuff. Uh, and so the Disney After Hours ticket allows for entry as early as about 7 p.m. And it gives the, attendee, the attendees time to play around the parks nightly. And go, you can watch the Wishes fireworks. And then you can remain in the park for about three hours past the park's scheduled closing time. And in addition, ice cream novelties and select beverages are going to be provided as part of the admission. Well, here's the thing. They're bringing it back. It's going to be a unique hard-ticket event, and it's going to return for select dates of January, February, and March of 2017 in the Magic Kingdom Park in Walt Disney World, okay? Now, here's the times, all right? January 20th and 27th, February 2nd, 9th, and 16th, and then March 2nd and 9th, all in 2017. Uh, now, please note, Disney After Hours does not replace extra magic hours for the resort guests and are instead held on non-EMH dates. Uh, for a small, full sneak peek inside what Disney After Hours events entails, go to the Disney Parks blog. There's a video that accompanies the audio that I've played for you. Uh, go and check it out. You can have a look. Uh, sounds like a whole lot of fun, but keep in mind, this is an extra ticketed item, Okay. Very separate from the extra magic hours from the resort, as I read. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. Okay, for our story time this week, I'm not really pulling from the Disney vault. I just, I've got some good stories that of my Christmas stuff, and I just would like to share some of them. Uh, and here's one that I really enjoy. It's called The Christmas Guest from Johnny Cash. It happened one day at December's end. Some neighbors called on an old-time friend. And they found his shop so meager and mean Made gay with a thousand boughs of green And old Conrad was sitting with face a-shine When he suddenly stopped as he stitched a twine And he said, My friends, at dawn today When the cock was crowing the night away The Lord appeared in a dream to me And he said, I'm coming your guest to be So I've been busy with feet astir Strewing my shop with branches of fir the table is spread and the kettle is shine, and over the rafters the holly is twined. And now I'll wait for my Lord to appear and listen closely so I will hear his steps as he nears my humble place. And I open the door and I'll look on his face. Then his friends went home and left Conrad alone, for this was the happiest day he had known. For long since his family had passed away, and Conrad had spent many a sad Christmas day. But he knew with the Lord as his Christmas guest, this Christmas would be the dearest and best. So he listened with only joy in his heart, and with every sound he would rise with a start, and look for the Lord to be at his door, like the vision that he had had a few hours before. So he ran to the window after hearing a sound, but all he could see on the snow-covered ground was a shabby beggar whose shoes were torn and all his clothes were ragged and worn. But old Conrad was touched and he went to the door and he said, your feet must be cold and sore. I have some shoes in my shop for you and I have a coat to keep you warmer too. 
So with grateful heart the man went away. But Conrad noticed the time of day, and he wondered what made the dear Lord so late and how much longer he'd have to wait. Then he heard another knock and he ran to the door, but it was only a stranger once more. A bent old lady with a shawl of black and a bundle of kindling piled on her back. But she asked only for a place to rest, a place that was reserved for Conrad's great guest. But her voice seemed to plead, don't send me away, let me rest for a while, it's Christmas Day. So Conrad brewed her a steaming cup and told her to sit at the table and sup. And after she had left, he was filled with dismay, for he saw that the hours were slipping away. And the Lord had not come as he said he would, and Conrad felt sure he had misunderstood. When out of the stillness he heard a cry, Please help me and tell me where am I? So again he opened his friendly door and stood disappointed as twice before. It was only a child who had wandered away and was lost from her family on Christmas Day. Again Conrad's heart was heavy and sad, but he knew he could make this little girl glad. So he called her in and he wiped her tears and he quieted all her childish fears. Then he led her back to her home once more. Then as he entered his own darkened door, he knew that the Lord was not coming today, for the hours of Christmas had all passed away. So he went to his room and he knelt down to pray and he said, Lord, why did you delay? What kept you from coming to call on me? I wanted so much your face to see. Then softly in the silence a voice he heard, Lift up your head, I have kept my word. Three times my shadow crossed your floor, Three times I came to your lowly door. I was the beggar with bruised cold feet, I was the woman you gave something to eat, I was the child on the homeless street. Three times I knocked, three times I came in, And each time I found the warmth of a friend. Of all the gifts, love is the best. I was honored to be your Christmas guest. There were two new trailers for the trailer park this week, and we'll talk about those right here. Mama, another gator got in the house. Another gator? Give me that shovel. Come here. Get him off. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. guys wait a minute you guys aren't the real avengers i can tell hulk gives it away oh that was awesome did liz get a new top no we've seen that before never with that skirt she probably stops staring before it gets creepy though too late. You guys are losers. So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Just don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there and that's where you operate. Oh. All right. That's not a hug, I'm just grabbing the door for you. All right, kid. Good luck out there. I'm feeling rough, I'm feeling rough. Listen, I know school sucks. Peter. 
You still with us? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know you want to save the world, but you're not ready yet. You're the Spider-Man. No, I'm not. I'm not. This is just a costume. This is from the ceiling. Stay close to the ground and stay out of trouble. Forget the flying monster guy. There are people who handle this sort of thing. I'm sick of him treating me like a kid all the time. But you are a kid. This is my chance to prove myself. Peter, what is going on with you? I'm really sorry. I'm so busy. I'm slammed. Don't mess with me. Because I will kill you and everybody you love. So first, this was the big one. Spider-Man Homecoming had a trailer this week. And boy, was it a doozy. Now, I was pretty much in, into this one from the very beginning shots there. You're seeing Spider-Man thwart uh, some big robbers, which com- comedically are wearing Avengers masks. And I did see someone on YouTube say, well, why does the Thor mask have a helmet? Because really, no one on Earth has seen Thor wear that helmet. To which I would say, you know what, if he didn't have that helmet, that mask would look like He-Man, and it kills the joke. So, the only thing that I am still skeptical on is I'm not 100% confident about Zendaya. I mean, I don't know, I, she's a Nickelodeon actor or something like that, isn't she? I am not that thrilled, really, with her casting, but, you know, I may be surprised. Uh, they have her apparently playing Liz Allen, a longtime uh, Spider-Man character, and somewhat bit of a love interest in the comics. You know, it wasn't really a big thing. She eventually ended up marrying Harry Osborn. Uh, but she is a, you know, blonde-headed character. And this, I saw, you know, some very interesting conversation on YouTube uh, from the Jimmy Kimmel channel where one person who claimed to be some sort of comics authority says, oh, no, she's a Latina in the comics. Uh, which clearly says to me, no, you've never read a comic, but you might have seen the spectacular Spider-Man animated series where Liz was dark hair she was a brunette uh, but this of course led there was other conversations where if you consider you know we call uh when we take maybe asian characters or whatever you know any other nationality and and have them cast as a, you know a white actor to play them it's being called whitewashing well somebody on youtube decided to call this blackwashing by taking a white character and having him played by a uh, i think she's mixed um actress and boy, did that ever start a <laughs> something. But oh, it's, it's just the craziness of stuff. But overall, uh, as far as this trailer goes, looks very cool. Uh, looks like they've gotten uh, a good way to have Tony Stark involved in the story as sort of a mentor character who maybe looks at Peter Parker as uh, as still being a kid, as stated in the trailer. Uh, but overall, this did get me interested. Uh, they really didn't show us a whole lot of Michael Keaton. We do get to see the Vulture. Uh, and instead of a bald head, Michael Keaton did not shave his head, but he has a bald helmet thing that he is wearing with his flying apparatus, which you know, kind of works. I would like to have seen him maybe go ahead and, and shave his head as Adrian Toomes, uh, but we don't know what really is motivating this version of the character. Now, some positives here, though, is you know, the very first appearance of Spider-Man, there was a Liz Allen in that Amazing Fantasy number 15, and one of the first villains he fought was indeed the Vulture, if not the very first that I can remember. Uh, I do have some reprints of some old comics, so it is very cool to have those characters in there. So I am I'm partially excited, I'm partially skeptical, and we're going to find out come this July 2017 how well this film is. 
But uh, there were a lot of other trailers that came out. There was one for The Mummy, which I don't care. There was another Transformers one. I am officially done with Transformers films. But here was something that was interesting that I didn't realize this movie was on its way. Uh, it is Planet of the Apes. Uh, well, in the series, but this is War for the Planet of the Apes. this moment. The irony is we created you. And nature has been punishing us ever since. This is our last stand. And if we lose... It will be a planet of apes. Now, this is very interesting. Now, I I have seen the two previous Planet of the Apes films. I believe I even reviewed one of them on the show here. Uh, and I have enjoyed them. I, I don't owe them, so I, I don't think I've seen any of them more than one time of the previous in this new franchise. But they're very serious and they're very good and very thought provoking. Uh, this one looks to be on that same vein, very thought provoking, uh, a very kind of sad story because, you know, they, this, it sounds like, of course, that, um, Caesar is blaming the humans for this war and it kind of is their fault, but it's also the fault. Remember that other ape that, uh, they decided he is no ape there and he was the villain. Uh, of the second film and he provoked the war he wanted to fight the humans and he started the war and uh, caesar and his human friends were unable to stop the war from happening uh but you know it sounds like he's blaming the humans for the war and i was like well that's not all there to blame there you know but everybody's just trying to fight for their own survival and uh seems no peace seems to be brokered but i'm sure that will be some interesting themes i don't know if this is going to set things up to where the humans will become enslaved to the apes as was seen in the original planet of the apes series or what i'm not sure where they're going with the series but uh this looks interesting and i think i will probably check it out let's take a ride at a disney park let's take a ride right now part of the fun of the holiday season in disneyland is the holiday versions of some rides. And right now, you can take a ride on the Jingle Cruise. But since you can't be there, perhaps, in real life, Eric decided to take you along on his trip. So let's have a listen, shall we? Hey, there he is. <laughs> you brought 
different, but this is some fun Christmas content, and it is something that we do have a pretty good excuse to be able to talk about. After all, Touchstone Films was started by then-Disney CEO Ron W. Miller on February 15th of 1984. It was a label for their PG films because they had a, a few unexpected releases, you know, um, Tron, The Black Hole, uh, The Watcher in the Woods, uh, Condor Man, you know, Something Wicked This Way Comes. They had a few movies that came out that they just didn't quite seem to fit the Disney expected type of film. And so they realized that they were going to need to have another company to be able to release some of these films under. Uh, and Touchstone's first film was Splash, which was a huge hit and grossed $68 million at the domestic box office, and was actually released that same year, 1984. Uh, incoming Disney CEO Michael Eisner and film chief Jeffrey Katzenberg considered renaming the label to Hollywood Pictures, briefly. Uh, but, of course, following in 1986, Down and Out in Beverly Hills was another early success for Touchstone and is noted as Disney's first R-rated film. Uh, it allowed the momentum to increase with additional films with Ruthless People, Outrageous Fortune, Tin Men, and other top movies. And in April 1985, Touchstone Films was licensed to the Showtime Movie Channel for five years starting in 1986. Touchstone Films was then renamed to Touchstone Pictures after the film, of course, Ruthless People in 1986. Uh, with Touchstone picture, with these Touchstone movies, Disney moved actually into top box office receipts, beating out all of the other major film studios by 1988. And in April of 1988, Touchstone became a unit of Walt Disney Pictures with newly appointed president Ricardo Mestres. On October 23rd of 1990, the Walt Disney Company formed Touchwood Pacific Partners to supplant the Silver Screen Partnership series as their movie studios primary funding source. With several production companies getting out of film production or closing shop by December of 1988, the Walt Disney Studios announced the formation of the Hollywood Pictures Division, which would only share marketing and distribution with Touchstone to fill the void. Mestres was appointed President of Hollywood. So why are we talking about Touchstone Pictures? Well, I sat down to watch a movie here, uh, one of my holiday favorites, and realized, oh my goodness, this is a Touchstone release. That makes this a Disney movie. And what movie would that be? Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> now this is available right now on Netflix, so you can sit down and watch it. You've probably got some memories of this movie, don't you? If not, you need to go and watch it. This is a great one you can actually share with your kids. But I did a little bit of research as to where did this character come from. Uh, now, I was familiar already with an advertising company out of Nashville. Uh, it was called Cardin and Cherry, and uh, the Ernest character was created, and they used it in some some local television ad campaigns, and eventually went on to uh, a few national campaigns with Coca-Cola Company, Chex, Taco John's, uh, and it actually all began with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders at Beach Bend Park type of appearance uh, that actually was the first time that anyone saw Ernest. Ernest, of course, was played by the actor Jim Varney, who actually was a pretty serious actor overall, and I did find some really interesting audio from an appearance on Good Morning America. I'm good. And you'll soon see your old buddy, your old buddy Ernest P. Worrell. Whether he's selling milk or furniture or television weatherman, he will get your attention the same way as that bothersome neighbor we all have. Watch. Hey, Varney. Hey, ain't you a little heavy to be working up here? You know what you need, Vern? It's some of this Purity Milk's new Purity Light. It's 99% fat-free, Vernon, and protein-fortified. And that's what you need to be, Vern. 99% fat-free and fortified. 
And that way these roof beams won't buckle like this when you're up here working! Uh, the character of Ernest was developed by an advertising agency in Nashville four years ago. Jim Varney is the actor who plays Ernest, and he's with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Did you get hurt when you did no, that? No, we, we've done that one about 15 or 20 times. Oh, really? And, and when you, the one that we saw earlier where you got the window slammed on your fingers, did you get hurt there? No, that, that started as an accident. I was supposed to be just coming through the window and drinking his orange juice and eating oh, out of his really? plate. And uh, the window actually came down, and you know, hey, what the heck? This character, it's so successful. Have you sat back at all and analyzed? I mean, I, you told me earlier you've done like 800 commercials. Yeah, right around 800. Why do you think he's so successful? I think everybody identifies with him. They either have a neighbor or a relative that's like that. They've always got a better deal than you've got, or they, they tell you what you did wrong. and. Uh, so I think everybody knows him. A lot of people might not realize what it is you're doing. I mean, you're kind of breaking some of the rules of advertising. You're not doing any national ads, no big cities like New York or L.A. You're doing the local commercials. Why is that? Explain how it's working. Um, actually, we were committed to, to quite a few markets right in the beginning. We started uh, in an amusement park in Kentucky, and then we went to a dairy in Nashville and one in North Carolina. And the dairies picked on it very quickly. So we were in like 16 markets before we knew. Why no national ad, though? Because we were committed to the local markets. Yeah. Uh, you think you'd get burned out, though, if you did this on a national level? Like it would one yeah, shot? it would probably burn out burn in a shorter out. period of time. Let me ask you something. You're a serious actor. I know you've done a lot of stage, a lot of television. Do you think that that part of your career might be hurt by becoming too identified with Ernest? I hope not. I hope it doesn't close any doors for me. Do you still want to go back and do stage work? Yeah, I'd like to do some, some more plays. All right, well, we've all, we're all infatuated right now with all these commercials, so let's take a look <laughs> at one more. Our old buddy, Ernest. Bastard! Bastard! Boy, Bernie's family picnics are a whole bunch of fun, aren't they? It's a good thing there was a shop a minute close by, too, because I had to go get more soft drinks and weenies, know what I mean? Boy, that shop a minute has everything, Bernie. I mean everything. You know the old saying? There ain't no limit. at shop a minute. You know, Vern, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I don't feel so good. Oh, that's a great shot when it comes back around. You get hazardous duty pay. Yeah, the body's still laying there. The body's still laying there. They're a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thank now, you. The character of Ernest became pretty popular with these commercials, and yes, it did go national. Uh, and we saw him advertising just all kinds of different kind of type of things, and it was always where he's talking to his good buddy Vern. You know, Ernest was that annoying neighbor, and we were invited to be the character of Vern uh, to have Ernest come and annoy us. But he was so funny, we really enjoyed the character so much that Touchstone started making some movies with Ernest. Now, these movies, the fun part, uh, they did include a couple of other characters, uh, Chuck and Bobby. Uh, Chuck, of course, uh, the actor who played Chuck, uh, I, his name is really difficult. It's like Gellard Sartain. Uh, but people who are about my age would probably recognize him from being on Hee Haw, if you watched Hee Haw. Uh, if you have never seen Hee Haw, I think, you know, there are some stations that you can find it on, uh, or you can find a lot of clips on YouTube. Uh, Hee Haw was a, a, basically a kind of a country western comedy variety show. And he was, of course, on there as a character. But then you had this other guy, Bill 
Burge or Berg. I'm not sure how you say his name, but uh, he reminded me a little bit of uh, well of Igor. Um, and uh, forgive me for forgetting the actor's name there. Igor though from Young Frankenstein. He had those kind of crazy popping eyes that he could do. Uh, and so Chuck and Bobby were actually another pair of characters from the same advertising company that also did some commercials. I don't recall seeing any of those commercials, but they were put into the Ernest films as, you know, other characters that uh, would be having some sort of a side adventure. Uh, but the film, of course, I want to talk about is Ernest Saves Christmas. Uh, and it is pr- probably, you know, the, the best of the Ernest films, of the major ones that, uh, and it, it was the top grossing even, of the ones that were major theatrical releases. There were several films that were released afterward. But Ernest Saves Christmas is definitely my favorite. Now, there's some interesting cast members on here that I thought I would like to mention. Uh, one of them, um, you do have uh, Joe. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of his last name now, and I was just watching this. Uh, but the actor who played Joe here is Oliver Clark. Uh, now, when I had seen him in Ernest Saves Christmas, uh, I was already familiar with him. But Joe Carruthers uh, was the character name. I was familiar, though, with having seen his face uh, on things like Night Court, uh, MASH. You know, he popped up a lot of different shows in the 80s. Uh, he was quite a few episodes, actually, of the Bob Newhart show. And I even found that he was the original Mr. Belding. Uh, back before it was Saves by the Bell, and it was just a pilot, but it was Good Evening or, or Hello, Miss Bliss. Uh, I had to find that. Uh, and, you know, they, they were, yeah, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Now, the show, of course, there there are episodes that, that I do remember seeing in syndication, that would, but it was actually a better show than what Saved by the Bell was. But uh, they renamed the show to Saved by the Bell instead of Good Morning, Miss Bliss, but kept the same, same concept, and they did swap out to a different Mr. Belding. Uh, by that time, but he was the original. I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, but Joe Carruthers has been chosen to be the, the new Santa, and he must accept that role and become the new Santa by the end, uh, by Christmas Eve, about 7 a.m., uh, or the magic of Santa and Christmas is going to be lost in this film. Now, playing the role of Santa is Douglas Seal. Now, when you watch this movie, you're probably going to recognize his voice. I mean, and... I, my goodness, there was a lot of things I remember seeing him on uh, on television. He was in a show called Rags to Riches, I believe that I was wasn't that a Disney film or you know um, like a Disney TV movie that became a series. Somebody correct me on this, but when I saw that, it reminded me there was uh, it was kind of a musical show. It was part of like uh, they did a you know the, the Sunday night Disney you know the magical world of Disney on Sunday nights where they used to they'd show a uh, like a, like a movie and then eventually they'd get like a series out of it and had twenty episodes. Um, and he played John Clapper. Now, if this is the series, I'm going to look this up real quick, but uh, if this is the series, I remember he adopts a bunch of girls, right? Okay. Well, it's, okay, he's, it's not, it was a different actor who played this millionaire, but he adopts a bunch of girls and they sing different songs, right? Uh, and I, I, I vaguely remember this, but there's only like the 20 episodes, but I'm pretty sure this was also a Disney release. Uh... Gosh, I hope y'all are remembering this. I'm not explaining it very well, but remember there was all, they had, had all these girls he adopted from an orphanage, and they did like a different take on popular songs from the '60s, '50s, and '60s. And that actually says, you know, in the plot, a wealthy widowed businessman adopts five daughters to live with him in his mansion. Um, but Douglas Seal was in that series, so he'd already done some work with Disney, because I do recall this as being part of Disney, but a lot of other uh, type of things. But he, of course, plays Santa. But where you're going to recognize his voice mainly is in Aladdin. He was the Sultan. 
uh, which, you know, once you watch the movie and you make that connection, you realize that he's hard to recognize in Ernest Saves Christmas as Santa because you know, he has the beard and everything, so he looks a lot different than what you'd be used to seeing him. Uh, he even had a part in The Rescuers Down Under as Krebs. Um, another interesting to note, uh, granted, I, you know, I think you'd have to watch television and things in the 80s, but Billy Bird, this this, uh, this dear old lady, she played all these fun, nice characters. She was in Home Alone, uh, Dear John, Sixteen Candles, she was in the Dennis the Menace movie. Uh, had a lot of different parts and a lot of different television series, but she's also very recognizable when you see her. And she's, you know, got a small part overall in Our Saves Christmas, but you're going to recognize her. Uh, but she also did a, a part in Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color television series in an episode called Help Wanted Kids, and she played a character named B. Uh, so there's your Disney connection already right there, where she'd already worked with the Disney company, other than, you know, of course, coming back to this Touchstone film. Uh, but I also found that to be a very interesting uh, connection, and uh, especially, you know, being somebody I recognized from when I was younger. But of course, you know, the main actor that I want to talk about from Ernest Saves Christmas is, you know, Ernest himself, Jim Varney. Now, a lot of Disney fans, maybe the newer ones, might recognize his voice from the Pixar Toy Story films, of course, where he played Slinky Dog. And, you know, after his passing, you know, they did replace Slinky Dog and get a different voice. And they got somebody who really does sound a lot like him. Uh, but it's, it's just not the same. Jim Varney was a very special talent and... If you watch some other Ernest films, you'd see him, he would play these different characters, and these were actually characters he developed with his own comedy. He had done some stand-up, he'd done some serious acting, and, you know, I've seen some film clips of him while researching for the show where he's playing more serious roles, and there's a film, um, Daddy and Them, I believe it was called, and I was watching this clip, it has Billy Bob Thornton, Laura Dern, and Andy Griffith in this film, and, uh, Jim Barney comes in as a character who's very upset and drops a few curse words and destroys the living room and then marches off in a deleted scene. Uh, so, I mean, he did a, a few more adult, you know, more grown-up type of characters. But uh, he was born as James Albert Varney Jr. He was born in Lexington, Kentucky as a fourth child and the only son of James Albert Varney Sr. and Nancy Louise Varney. Uh, now, as a child, Varney displayed the ability to memorize long poems and significant portions of material from books, which he used to entertain family and friends. Now, I did also read that when he was doing those commercials, he managed to memorize the scripts, and he would actually have to redo them, because uh, there's, if you go in the right places looking on the internet, you can find, like, series of his commercials, and you'll see they have the same gimmick, but the product will change on some of the old commercials, and it would not be seen in the same market. Uh, because they would be for local products and things like that, and so they could get away with that. But he was able to memorize and then just swap the product and keep doing the same thing over and over again. But uh, his mother discovered that Varney quickly began to imitate the cartoon characters, and so she started him in a children's theater when he was just eight years old. When you know, Of course, he was watching cartoons on a black-and-white television, it says. And so he would imitate the characters, got into theater eight years old, began his interest in theater, though, as a teenager, won state titles in drama competitions while a student at Lafayette High School in the class of 1968 in Lexington. At the age of 15, he portrayed Ebenezer Scrooge in a local theater production, and by 17, he was performing professionally in nightclubs and coffee houses. Varney studied Shakespeare at the Barter Theater in Abington, Virginia, and performed in an Opryland folk show its first year of operation in the 1970s. He listed a former teacher, Thelma Beeler, as being one of the main contributing factors in his becoming an actor. And when he was 24, Varney was an actor at the Pioneer Playhouse in Danville, Kentucky. 
The theater was adjacent to the Old West themed village, and prior to the show, the audience would tour the village where apprentices would play townsfolk. Varney and the company usually played in the outdoor theater to audiences of only a few dozen people, and Varney would regale the young apprentices by throwing knives into trees. He performed in Blythe Spirit, Boeing 707, and an original musical, Fire on the Mountain. He once jokingly threatened a long-haired apprentice, John Lino Ponzini, that he would take him up to Hazard, Kentucky, where he, Ponzini, wouldn't make it down Main Street without the townsfolk giving him a crew cut. But of course, he starts doing television, commercial, television commercials as Ernest P. Worrell, and that's really probably where most of us are going to know him. Now, he, he does a lot of other things and a lot of other appearances as Ernest, uh, but, you know, and as other characters, but we're really going to remember him as Ernest and his catchphrase, know what I mean. Uh, in fact, he, as Ernest, he even did a special Disney special. Well, yeah, a special Disney special. I know I'm sounding redundant. Welcome to the Department of Redundancy Department. But it was a, it was a special special, you know? Uh, it was for Splash Mountain, and Ernest had been selected as being the first person to ride Splash Mountain in Disneyland. Well, of course, that's the story. And I did find this on the internet, and I'm going to share the audio with you right now. Oh, sorry, Vern. <laughs> didn't mean to wake you up. I just didn't want you to miss today's big entertainment extravaganza. That's right, Burn. Today's the big day when your old buddy Ernest P. Worrell will go down in those big fake history books. Just think, Burn. Kids in the future will have my name as one of the multiple choices on all their history exams, like, like below the equator or or textiles or or even none of the above. Well, going back to sleep, Burn. You still got a couple hours. Oh, and Burn. I like you, little bear. <laughs> Blue bear. <laughs> the picture you are seeing is coming to you from Splash Mountain at Critter Country in Disneyland, where we're about to witness a momentous occasion in this place where so many historic moments have been celebrated. We are just minutes away from a feat some have compared with Alan Shepard's first ride into space or Neil Armstrong's walk on the moon. We're about to see daredevil consultant and world-renowned ride tester Ernest P. Worrell take the maiden voyage on Disneyland's newest attraction, Splash Mountain. In this special television report, we'll learn about the ride, the man, and the meaning of courage as Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain. Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain is a special television report. And now, reporting from Splash Mountain News Central, is veteran news anchor, Ralph Story. Hello again, everyone. Joining me on this important telecast is a man who has covered many grand events. Cameron Cronemeyer is standing by in the happiest place on Earth. Cameron, if you can hear me, uh, what is the mood out there right now? Yes, I can hear you, Ralph, and I must say that just walking through the park today, you can sense the excitement in the air. As you mentioned, I've covered many great events from inaugurations to Super Bowls, but this first run down Splash Mountain seems to have captured the imagination of the entire country, and that's due mainly, in this reporter's opinion, to the courage of Ernest. Cam, is Ernest really going to be the very first person on that Splash Mountain? That is correct, Ralph. Now, many tests of the ride have been conducted using empty logs and logs that have been weighted with sandbags to simulate the weight of people. But, of course, as in any innovative technology, the real test only comes once a human is on board. 
as the first person to take on Splash Mountain, Ernest P. Worrell will become a part of this mountain's legend if the ride is successful. If it isn't, he could possibly just become part of the mountain. Back to you, Ralph. One last question, Cam, if you had an opportunity to talk to Ernest. Uh, negative, Ralph. The word here is that this man has gone into training at the Daredevil facility that's owned and operated by his best friend, Vern. Now, he is supposedly going to stay there until just moments before his assault on the mountain. We've been told that they're conducting some last-minute but highly sophisticated tests. Hey, Vern. You know, Vern, that's as tight as Italian hemp has been since the senseless and brutal hanging of Cole Younger's horse. Vern, this is the ultimate test. If I can take this, I can take anything Splash Mountain can dish out. You see, Vern, you will play the part of mean old Mr. Centrifugal Force. Your job is to spin me around and simulate what we call the G-Whiz forces. Comprendo? Okay, I can take it. Now, here goes. Burn! Burn! I think I'm going to be sick. Burn! Burn! Just as Ernest's trip down Splash Mountain will be a demonstration of the limits of human endurance, it will also demonstrate the limits of human ingenuity. Like all Disney attractions, Splash Mountain has a story that goes along with that ingenuity. Correspondent Marjorie Hastings Hardwick is standing by to bring us that story. Have you ever wondered where the ideas for the super attractions found at Disneyland and Walt Disney World come from? In the case of Splash Mountain, the source of inspiration was the 1946 Walt Disney film Song of the South. It was in the animated sequence of this classic film that the antics of Br'er Fox, Br'er Br'er, and Br'er Rabbit came to life for the first time. Over 40 years later, these three lovable characters are the stars of Splash Mountain. The designers of Splash Mountain created the perfect setting to once again tell the tale of Br'er Rabbit's capture and his ultimate escape from the clutches of Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, complete with the breathtaking five-story plunge into the briar patch. Combining its popular and fanciful story with the thrill of careening down the world's longest plume drop should rank the 87-foot Splash Mountain among the best of Disneyland's mountain range, making it a top challenge for its guests. 1934. <coughs> 1935. Oh, hi, Vern. Just getting in shape. Because, Vern, I'm about to become the first full-grown, sleep-away-from-home-without-a-note, grown-up to ride... Disney Splash Mountain. Yeah, Vern, it's a matter of family pride because I come from a long line of justifying roller coaster riding flume zoomers. Know what I mean? And Vern, Disneyland Splash Mountain is the longest, steepest flume zoom ever made by mortal man. And I'm getting in such good shape that I can do just about anything. Watch this. A one. <laughs> As you can see, the seconds are racing by now in our countdown to Daredevil Ernest P. Worrell's historic ride down Splash Mountain. You know, this mountain is an intricate combination of creativity and technology. Feature editor Skip Binkman has spent the last few days crawling around every nook and cranny of this innovative marvel. 
So let's see what he's found. This is some of the half million gallons of water which cycles continuously here in order to keep the splash in Splash Mountain. Now, this water is treated and then it's on its way down to the basement of this building where it'll be pumped back up to the top. Uh, back, back to you, Ralph. Uh, oh, uh, well, it uh, can never be said that Skip Binkman's reports are dull. He always manages to keep us informed and entertained with his unique style of reporting. Oh, I'm told that he'll be back with another interesting feature a little later. Um, also, coming up, we'll talk to a Disney Imagineer who happens to be the show producer of Splash Mountain. All of this when our countdown to Ernest's attempt to conquer Splash Mountain continues in just a moment. Okay, Barn. Now, as we both know, water runs down your hill and not up. Therefore, we can safely assume that I will land on my feet when I reach the bottom of Splash Mountain. Now, right here, Splash Mountain drops off at a 47 degree angle. Vern, have you got any more chalk? Never mind. I'll just use this pen. That was awful, wasn't it, Vern? Kind of reminds you of this, don't it? The tension is really beginning to mount now as we continue our countdown of Ernest P. Worrell's daredevil trip down Splash Mountain. Now, we'll be cutting back to Splash Mountain just as soon as we receive word that Ernest has arrived there. Just to repeat the facts as we know them at this time, the mountain is ready. Ernest P. Worrell is getting ready at his friend Vern's Daredevil facility, where some reliable sources have disclosed under a great umbrella of secrecy, they are running some last-minute experiments to test the intellectual and physical metal of this extraordinary man. Okay, Shorty, take out the slack. Oh, hey, Vern. Just brushing up on my advanced water sports. Yeah, Vern, I've got to be ready to ride the waves. So stand back and allow my flume to zoom. You see, Vern, I've got this team of neighborhood dogs that will equal the speed and torque of the awesome Splash Mountain. My highly trained and disciplined lead dog, Shorty, will listen to my even slightest vocal... Oh! The crowds are beginning to gather now outside Splash Mountain, and the excitement is building. Let's go to Marjorie Hastings Hardwick, who is standing by with Disney Imagineer and the producer of that spectacular ride, Bruce Gordon. Thank you, Ralph. Well, Bruce, we're nearing the big moment, and you must be nervous, because as the show producer, you are responsible for everything a guest sees, feels, smells, and experiences when they go into an attraction. Isn't that right? That's right. There's a tremendous amount of... We're going to be showing the folks at home some of those lavish scenes and settings inside Splash Mountain, so perhaps you could tell us about it, starting with that cast of characters. 
That's right. There's some of the... It's the largest group of animated characters ever assembled in an attraction. Isn't that right? 105, to be exact. And they're all led by those principal and adorable characters from the movie Song of the South, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear. Isn't that right, Br'er Bruce? They're some of the favorites. And you here. guys not only did a fantastic job of recreating the characters from the movie, but you also captured those fantasy settings so rich with color and lavish detail. We're very proud of it. And don't forget to tell them about the rich sprinkling of the film's Academy Award-winning music that they'll hear. Zippity-doo-dah. Zippity-doo-dah is the song for the big finale, which has the largest animated prop ever. What a scene with 21 characters singing and the ship rocking. It's just marvelous. All of this combined with the world's longest and steepest flume drop, which allow the logs to achieve a top speed of 40 miles per hour, which I believe makes it the fastest ride ever built at Disneyland. Isn't that right, Bruce? That's right. It's Thanks so much for that great information. And I'm probably also right in saying that you are more than a little nervous as we near the moment when Ernest will make history as the first person to actually try out the ride. Uh-huh. There you have it. The man with all the answers, Splash Mountain producer Bruce Gordon. And now, let's go once again to Skip Binkman. Testing. One, two, three. <clears throat> You're looking at one of the new houses that have been constructed along here along the stream that runs through critter country uh, critter country is the new name that's been given to the area that at the foot of splash mountain it used to be called bear country and you'll still see bears running around through here but you'll also see a lot of uh, furried and uh, feathered friends which have moved into critter country ever since splash mountain moved in back to you ralph um with our countdown clock taking away, I'm sure that Ernest is on his way to Disneyland by now. We'll find out when our coverage continues. Hey, Bern. The car's all gassed up, so let's load up the shuttle and head for the puddle. The Splash Mountain liftoff is A-OK, -okay, all systems go, and T-minus. And Vern, since I'm a highly trained Top Gun Splashtonaut, I'll do the driving. So why don't you run in the house and get on some of them long pants and some of that musk oil, and you and I will go to Disneyland and find us some action. As you can see, our countdown has ended and it's time for Ernest P. Worrell to make history. Let's go back to Cameron Cronemeyer at Splash Mountain in Disneyland and find out if Ernest has arrived. Any sight of him yet, Cam? Ralph, a rush of anticipation has filtered through the crowd here as word has spread that Ernest has arrived here at the park. Let's switch to our cameras now over on Main Street where Marjorie Hastings Hardwick is standing by. <laughs> as his entourage makes its way down Main Street. It's absolute chaos here as all the fans have come out to wish him well. I'm going to try to fight my way through that crowd to get a word with our man of the hour. Just sit me down anywhere. <laughs> Mr. Worrell? Mr. Worrell? Mr. Worrell. Oh, you can call me. Ernest or knucklehead or big guy. <laughs> okay, knucklehead. Tell me, are you ready for this historic moment? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, what's it gonna be? 
the ride, Splash Mountain. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm practiced and rehearsed, and now I am a mean, lean, flume-zooming machine. Know what I mean? Well, how does it feel to be the first person to actually ride this awesome mountain? Piece of cake. You show me the mountain, I'll ride it. Now tell me, is your famous friend Vern here today? No, Vern couldn't make it today. Uh, somebody foolishly drove a car into his kitchen, so he had to stay and clean up. But he's got a nice TV with a little screen, and he's watching. Hey, Vern. Uh, Vern, I haven't seen the mouse yet, but I've seen Adventureland and Fantasyland and Frontierland. Vern, you'd love it. You ought to be here. Well, thank you very much, Ernest, and good luck. Hey, let's go, Ernest! Well, it seems... This is it. Do you have any last-minute thoughts? Uh, uh, any last-minute thoughts? No. Uh, I had a last-minute thought earlier, but I stopped thinking it right at the last minute. Besides, this is no time for using your head. This is a time for action. Somebody call me a law. You're a law! He certainly is the picture of confidence, and frankly, for good reason. Anybody who could put up with the physical challenges that Ernest has been subjected to deserves to stand straight and tall as ground. As you can see, Ernest is taking his time getting into the log. This is the first time, remember, that anyone has taken on Splash Mountain. So they want to make sure that everything is perfectly set and the conditions are just right. Here he goes. Ernest is taking off. You probably couldn't hear his parting words over the shouts of the crowd, but it sounded something like... This is a small step for humankind, but a big old leapfrog for Ernest. Let's go inside now and see how he's doing. What's this, Vern? It, it looks like some kind of underground kingdom. Look at all the little critters. Wow. You never would have thought looking at this place that all of this lived underneath, would you? He should be nearing the first drop in the ride. Drop! Like fall, like in free fall, like in fall down, go boom, fall drop. Well, that first drop seems to be taking him by surprise. Let's go to Skip Binkman now, who's stationed along the waterway. Cameron, he's due here at any moment. While we're waiting his arrival, uh, I'd like to take a moment to say how proud and honored I am to be part of this history-making event, to be the eyes and ears of you, John Q. Citizen. And on behalf of all my colleagues, yes, the, the little people behind the scenes, behind the camera, in this great profession that we call the dudes. Oh, here he comes now. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's strange. I, uh, I can't see him yet, but uh, I will stand by until he does arrive. Well, things are right on schedule in the first part of the ride. Uh... That all could change in just a few moments, however, as Ernest is nearing the big plunge. We'll find out when our coverage of Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain continues.
Coast to Splash Mountain will continue in a moment. Know what I mean? Let's go back to Splash Mountain now, where Ernest is preparing for the intimidating climb to the top of the world's longest plume drop on the way to the Briar Patch. Wish I brought a book. At this moment, we ask that squeamish or sensitive adults turn their eyes from the screen. Still doesn't come by here. Well, I don't know, Skip. It's hard to tell. There doesn't seem to be any sign of recovery. Oh, no. Well, I hope we haven't witnessed the demise of America's first splastronaut. Well, wait a minute, Skip. I think I see something coming. Wait a minute. I think I see something, Skip. That's the log. Yes, it's him. It's him. I see him, Skip. He made it. He made it. Let's watch as he disembarks. How was it, Ernest? Nah, 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 uh, Ernest, you appear somewhat shaken. How do you feel? Nah, nah. Ernest, would you recommend Splash Mountain to the guests who come to Disneyland? <clears throat> yeah, it was great. I'd recommend Splash Mountain to anyone. Things like Splash Mountain keep you young. That and blood transfusions and organ transplants and cosmetic surgery. I feel great. Yeah. So there you have it from here. Ernest has conquered Splash Mountain. And as you can see, there's not an empty log in the place. Let's go back to Splash Mountain News Central. Well, a triumphant end for a triumphant man. It should be noted that the honor he received today is a testament to his perseverance and self-denial. What more can be said? Ernest P. Worrell will certainly be written into the history of Disneyland because he's one for the books. On behalf of all my colleagues, we salute you, Ernest. Ralph Story here. So long, everyone. Hey, Vern, just throw in a little victory party to celebrate my triumph over Splash Mountain. Yeah, Vern, them boys in Imagineering have really come up with a winner. And I invited each and every one of them to come here today and celebrate with me. But they said that today's the day they like to watch the big truck empty all the dumpsters out back. Anyway, with thrills and spills on the big hill, having fun at Disneyland, Vern, just couldn't be easier. It's... It's like bobbing for water. You can't miss. Know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's some fun stuff. It's some great visual, but, you know, the Ernest connection with Disney is wonderful. And, of course, with Ernest Saves Christmas, and I talked a little bit about the plot earlier, uh, where basically Santa needs to, uh, the current Santa needs to retire and pass on the power and magic of Santa onto someone else. Now, did this inspire any ideas for the Tim Allen film Santa Claus later, where somebody else has to suddenly take on the role of Santa? I don't know. I don't really think that it was inspired. But it is, you know, uh, I guess a story that's been used even probably by the Hallmark Channel at this point. Uh, along the way, though, so Ernest kind of stumbles into this by uh, with a, carrying Santa in his taxi cab, which, uh, with Ernest singing Christmas carols in his taxi cab and driving people around, uh, Heather, my wife, uh, Pixie Heather, actually did say that it reminded her of me for some reason because I'm currently driving with Uber and carrying passengers and I uh, am exuberant and do really enjoy Christmas. In fact, I have been playing Christmas music for my passengers lately and, well, most of them seem to enjoy it. So, <laughs> But uh, along the way, of course, he meets a runaway teenager uh, who calls herself Harmony, but of course a real name in Pamela. So you have a little bit of a side story there because Santa is the only one who actually knows who she really is and tries to get her to... Uh, change her ways because she's becoming a criminal and a liar uh, but uh, by the end she is going to head off home uh, the title though calling it Ernest Saves Christmas it almost he doesn't really do a whole lot to save Christmas uh, he does go and put a lot of effort and he gets Santa out of jail uh, he manages to help try to get Santa's bag back although Harmony Pamela does manage to steal the bag and she brings it back herself and Ernest does bring Santa's sleigh but it is a crash course of him learning to fly the thing before he finally brings it back in the nick of time for the new Santa to take over uh, so it's a great fun film uh, so <laughs> it's definitely worth a watch it's currently on Netflix Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Yeah! Yeah!